Hey, Mo. Hey, Jen. What are you listening to this week? Welcome to What Are You Listening To?, the weekly podcast created to foster community through music by sharing the stories and memories that soundtrack our lives. Some of the songs are old, some new, all good. I'm Jen Tully, and this week I'm joined by Mo Shafiq, the perfect person to discuss music that soundtracks our lives. Mo is Senior Creative Director for Pop Culture Scion, Mondo Music, and Death Waltz Recording Company. He's responsible for bringing some of the most iconic soundtracks from film, television, and video games to vinyl in a totally fan-driven way. We'll learn more about Mo and how he helped turn a t-shirt company into the most in-demand record label for vinyl collectors in between the music. Also, did you know that now on Spotify, you can listen to the show with the songs we discuss incorporated. Just search for What Are You Listening To With Music. If you're not listening on Spotify, be sure to give the playlist a listen and then tune into our conversation. With that, let's get started. Mo, what are you listening to this week? Before I tell you what I'm listening to this week, I just wanted to let you know that when you uh, sent me over this fun little run of show, I saw your intro and I I, my, I blushed. I, frankly, I blushed. You were you were far <laughs> too kind. Uh, uh, you are a very generous host and very very sweet. Um, but yeah, so this week. Um, I actually struggled with this a little bit because I listen to a lot of music, as you might imagine, uh, working in, in yes. recorded music to some degree. But uh, I narrowed it down to two songs that were kind of on a new rotation for me. And the first one is um, My Father's Gun by Sir Elton John. Oh, fantastic pick. I love this song and I love it for a variety of reasons, but you have to tell me how this song came into being because I'm curious as this playlist shakes out if um, if we had the same idea or a different idea. So tell me about this song, what it means to you and how you found it. Um, so I have an interesting relationship to it, but the reason why it's been on my mind is actually sort of a sad reason, but um, not, not uh, well, uh, there was a recent loss in my life. Um, a, a dear friend of mine, much younger than me, who um, we unfortunately lost, um, my friend Megan mm. from Long Island, from New York, rather. Um, you know, uh, there's lots of talks of of wakes and and um, celebrations of life, and it got me thinking about a particular scene from a movie called Elizabeth Town. Now, I'll jump back slightly from that and give a little bit of additional context to my relationship to this movie, Elizabethtown, which some people may not know, or they may know it as a bit of a calamity, um, <laughs> um, to borrow the parlance from the film itself, but uh, or a fiasco, rather. Um, but I, I, I work in the soundtrack space, as you mentioned earlier on. Um, I, I've actually been working directly with uh, filmmaker Cameron Crowe, and his team on a series of reissues for his films, starting with Say Anything. Um, We just finished up singles a few months ago, and now we're working on Jerry Maguire. Um, Next, Vanilla Sky, Elizabethtown, all that fun stuff. Like, we're going to get, we're going to do them all. But um, separate from that, um, my wife's favorite movie of all time 
is Elizabethtown. <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little interesting thing because like I, I, you know, when I started working on these these soundtracks with Cameron Crowe, uh, when, when they asked us to, if we wanted to do it, I was sort of like, well, yeah, who wouldn't want to work on, you know, Almost Famous, Jerry Maguire, all these things. And then, I, I, you know, based on my own personal history with those films, I was sort of like, but then after that, who knows? Like, I don't know what the demand is for that. And I remember, um, you know, I had seen the film once, many, many, many years ago. Uh, and it didn't really connect with it personally. And I didn't think it was necessarily like terrible, but I just didn't really have any relationship to it. But upon, you know, the, the dating process and obviously getting married to this wo the woman I love, I uh, discovered quite quickly that that film was, it, it is near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. So it's interesting that, uh, your your later song selection also <laughs> shares a uh, uh, a passage of time in the film as well, I should say. Spoiler alert. But so the reason it came to mind is because the song My Father's Gun plays during um, the funeral scene of uh, of of the film Elizabeth Town. If, if you haven't seen it, uh, the main character played by Orlando Bloom is sort of an outcast from his extended family. He he lives in the big city. He's he works in the sneaker industry and uh when his father, who is a Kentucky native, passes away in Kentucky, he sort of has to bridge the gap between his West Coast family, which is his mom, his sister and his dad and his Kentucky family and he goes to visit and he sort it's the very fish out of water thing, you know, very West Coast meets Midwest sort of uh energy, but um the film itself be begins a montage of sort of the like numb chaos of being surrounded by all types of energies at these sorts of celebrations and funeral processions and wakes. And, you know, um, it's just, it's when revisiting the film with my wife many times since, you know, since finding out that she loves it as much as she does, that was this, that was the key for me to unlock the film. Um, and, I don't really have that big of a relationship with Elton John. I don't know if you do. Um, you know, obviously everyone loves the the almost famous Tiny Dancer scene. You know, everyone loves Elton John as, as a musician for, for his legendary run of songwriting. And of course, I love the songs that I know of Elton John. But like, I don't know um, this album very well that the album comes from. It's a concept album. You know, it's a like a it's an album as far as I can tell about a, it's a, you know, Civil War epic. <laughs> like a yeah album and yeah originally released in 1970 it's on the tumbleweed connection album for those of you that don't know it that we, we've been talking a lot about elizabeth town which we will continue to talk about um but yeah that original album was from 1970 and not a ton of hits i think burnt down the mission and madman across the water are also on that album and really um that there's not a lot of like big elton john hits when you think of elton john hits i don't know that any of these three come to mind but yeah, being reintroduced to this song. I loved it as well. And, you know, thank goodness we didn't talk before about your Cameron Crowe connection because the intro would have been even more gushing because I'm so <laughs> jealous that you get to do this. I um, I was actually at DreamWorks um, when they were working on Almost Famous and it was like a dream come true for me because Cameron Crowe sort of swiftly stepped in and replaced John Hughes for me in terms of like uh, films and filmmakers that I could tell love music as much as I do and I think as much as you do and um, how they use music to sort of convey 
those transitions and seasons of life. And I think Elizabeth Town is great for that reason. Like you, I saw it once when it came out. I'm always the first one to a new Cameron Crowe movie, like sign me up. And I have favorites. You know, I love singles. Um, I love, love Almost Famous. Um, even though he didn't direct this one, he also, he wrote Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is also a favorite of mine. Um, but like, I'm not a big lover of Jerry Maguire. I know that's not a popular opinion, but I don't love it. Um, and I, when I first saw Elizabeth Town, didn't really connect with it either. And I rewatched it when I saw this song on your list. Um, the soundtrack's always been a favorite of mine. And again, we mentioned it in the intro, but for those of you that love vinyl and especially soundtracks, one of my favorites, um, I just reordered it as a gift for somebody because I love it so much, is the repress you did of the Say Anything soundtrack. Um, Huge fan of that soundtrack. Um, And Elizabethtown is way up there too. Even though I didn't love the movie, this is one of my favorite soundtracks of his. And I say I didn't love the movie in 2005 when I first saw it. But when I went back and revisited it, being, you know, almost 20 years older now and having gone through the terrible um, season of losing a parent, it just hit differently. And the movie was a real joy to watch in terms of, you know, the way he comes home and the way this song appears. And it actually appears twice in the movie, right? It's at the beginning when he's in the funeral home and first sees his father. And then it's at the end, sort of when he's coming full circle and he's on a road trip. Um, He, again, being Orlando Bloom, who plays the lead character and Kirsten Dunst is his love interest. And so um, they really connect over music and she is a super fan and makes this amazing amazing gift for him at the end of the movie. Um, She encourages him to take a road trip and she, this is the best gift I'm on. My birthday is coming up in March. So anyone who wants to build me a road trip, interactive map playlist, that would be the perfect gift. (laughs) But she does that. Yes. Yeah. I know. Who can, who can even still has that capability, right? To burn a CD. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I loved that. I thought that this like this song really captures that whole full circle moment that the movie I think strives to to present, right? Sort of you start in this state of confusion and then through community and shared connection, you kind of come out the other side, a more um, insightful, stronger person with a whole lot of perspective, right? Yeah. That's yeah. That's how it felt to me. No, absolutely. You know, the whole thing is that like, um, you know, like I said, it unlocked the film for me and it's because like I, I, it, it didn't feel personal. And then until I realized how personal it was and the movie is basically a, like a love letter, a mixtape to, you know, several very important emotional beats in his life. And, you know, when, when my friend Megan passed, we, you know, our, our friend Laura, um, uh, asked us to put together a playlist to celebrate her life. And as we were like dropping links into Spotify of songs, you know, the instinct was mournful at first, but then all of a sudden it was just like, no, no, these are like fun songs, things that we all remember spending time with them. And like, again, the fact that I didn't know this song and don't really have that big of a relationship to the song. It's like, I, I, I can see the tangibility, the tactility of immediately a brain in mourning going to a song about inheriting your father's weapon 
you know, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the, the, his title, his, his whatever, you know, yep. like lyrically, it just sort of, it, it's, it's the same sort of, like you said, you know, uh, music lovers, uh, consumption of information that doesn't really click into place until you have a reason for it to go into a, into a personal connection, right. You know, songs that like, maybe just made you smile once make you cry and things that like just gave you goosebumps once before suddenly bring you to tears. Um, it's just, it, it's, it, this song is so powerful and so resonant and it has such a strange place in my brain where I listen to it and it gives me goosebumps and I don't have that immediate loss uh, and grief associated to it, but I do associate it with the um, emotional revelation of the fact that like, I don't know that like there is so much, power in music like that there's so much a uh, um i don't know there, there, there's such a the brain is so interesting that way that it, it it maps out places in your brains that you can't truly connect i don't know why that is so um that's like magic to me and i i think about that all the time me too and it's one of the things that i love about music right like you could hear a song and it hits one way at a certain place in time and the exact same song can change your mind or change your life, change your attitude. You know, I've had it happen to me so many times. Um, and that's why I think music is so resonant to me, to Cameron Crowe, to you, you know, it just, it does something that no other medium can do. Um, and it really locks in time and place an emotional state in a way that I don't think anything else can. Um, and, you know, again, too, I love, I did love, I love this song because of the movie and the soundtrack and what it represents. Um, and then Elton John, you're saying you're not a super fan or not super familiar. And I'm kind of the same way, you know, I know Elton John's big hits, but the one thing I will say about Elton John is when I was a kid um, and you used to listen to the radio, um, you could call in to radio stations and request songs. And the very first song I ever requested on a radio station was an Elton John song. It was, I guess that's why they call it the blues. And I remember sitting around like all of that DJ shift waiting for them to play the song and they did. I'm happy to report, but (laughs) that's always been, you know, I have a soft spot for Elton John, I think because of that, like a silly memory, but something that was so impactful and cool for me as a young kid. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, well, tell me about your second song. This one I cannot wait to get into. Tell me about your second song. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a, a radical swing, but the uh, my second song is by a Japanese artist, uh, and I'm you know probably butchering the pronunciation, but Hitsuji Bongaku, which r- roughly translates to. A portmanteau of the phrase in Japanese sheep literature and the uh the song is called when it shines yes this song was incredible and I have had this band on repeat please tell I'll me about how you found this oh okay. my gosh I have there's a song called step there's a song called Fever. Um, I love both of them now. Like this has been so like one of those gifts. Like I, I love it when people bring songs that I haven't heard before to the show. Um, and this one was, I just immediately fell in love with it. Tell me how you found this band, how you like, how you it, discovered these guys. It's the weirdest journey. So, uh, you know, I got really into Japanese city pop about like five years ago. Are you familiar with the genre at all? A little yeah, basically, for those who don't know what Japanese city pop is, it's, you know, there was an era in the late 80s, early 90s, what in what people what people would consider the like the Japanese bubble era, which is like the economy just boomed, technology was booming, money was like, it was like the, the most 
financially successful period of time in modern Japanese history. It eventually deflated, um, and there was a, a significant recession that they're still recovering from to this day. But in that period of time and of excess, there was basically the Japanese version of American yacht rock and like funk and soul kind of became very prominent in their music genre and it's super funky and dancey and and super western but through their lens and it's like very interesting but i got really into that because it's just sort of like this it's a it's a fun really bouncy style of music and when i was going to japan regularly before the pandemic i was always seeking out that kind of music and trying to find old original pressings of that stuff on vinyl and so i took me to a lot of record stores and one of them being there's still like a, a tower records in japan oh. um uh, an eight-story tower records in shibuya that is just a, a, a labyrinth of amazing things and you know being there i kind of just i i just found a bunch of artists and things and like listening booths that i was kind of just into and i grabbed a couple of, of just cds off the the shelf that i kind of like i gave like a 30 second listening to just by looking at what the artwork looked like i was like this kind of seems like something i'd be interested in um, it wasn't this band, though. It was another band that I really liked called Luby Sparks. And then from there, once the pandemic kicked in, I just found myself like going, letting Spotify's algorithm give me other suggestions and other suggestions and other suggestions. And so this is a bit of a long lead to I found myself like humming along and liking like the songs and I kept checking who it was. And it's three uh, kanji characters, which are the, you know, the, the 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 Japanese characters that are like basically the the, the most complex the things that like yes. you know, will never learn um and you know I looked it up Hitsuji Bangaku really what it translated to but I I find myself like recurringly on playlists month after month getting offered new songs by this band and really liking them and then eventually I was just sort of like okay I think I like this band right um and so I just got to go back to Japan um a few weeks ago uh, for work and uh i saw that they were playing a show and oh. when i tell you that i i because you know you can't just like buy concert tickets from you know in america you can't just like put in your credit card and like go on their ticket master or whatever like i had to like have someone buy them locally and i had to like go meet them at a at a, at a convenience store and then print out the tickets for me and, hand out <laughs> and all this fun stuff and then i had to i was ha- halfway across the country in osaka the day before the show and i had to rush home and my train was late and all these things i was like i'm not missing this band and i got there and i saw them play and it was it was so incredible but the the thing about them that sticks out to me and obviously this is the first time listen for some from probably most of the people who are listening to this is um these women can write hooks for days like like the most like universal yes these universal global do not need to know the language if you if, if this song does anything for you literally just listen to any of their songs and their choruses are just like out of control like i can hum the melodies by heart for almost every i you know I don't, I don't know the lyrics i don't know the words um but there are some songs that just truly give me goosebumps every single time and it's not because of the lyrics, it's because of the melodies that are in there. And let me tell you, they, they deliver the goods live too as well. They are really, really incredibly talented. Oh, I could not agree more. And I I didn't even translate the lyrics. And anybody who's ever listened to this show even once like knows that I am a lyrics gal through and through. Like it's one of the main reasons I love music. And I didn't even care. I loved the music so much. I thought that the, the this band was just so talented. The drummer is just like drumming with intention. The whole, like any song you listen to, it's just so good. And then we're, we'll spoiler alert a little bit here too 
too, but um, Heidi's vocals, the lead singer, immediately made me think of the Sundays, immediately. So that was like beautiful to me as well because I love the Sundays from back in the day. And so this was like a whole, it was like discovering a brand new catalog of Sundays music, but updated and cooler and younger and fresher. Um, and so, yeah, I went fully down the rabbit hole um, and I can't wait to see what memories I'll make around these songs because I will be listening to this band forever now. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, oh. No, thank you. Thank you for actually like l- l- giving them a listen beyond the perfunctory first song. Like I, I, I have no idea how um, global music interacts with a lot of people, you know, like I, I I've, I've sort of been om- omnivorous lately with regardless of language and trying to find, I just, I just like rock and roll, you know, that's the big yeah. thing. And that's why like, I, you know, it's fun. It's a fun feedback loop, if anything, to hear what other culture, cause like, you know, I'm in agreement that like rock is kind of dead here in a way. And I try, you know, I, there's a lot of young artists that like I listen to that I'm really into, um, you know, up and coming kids doing, you know, the stuff that I used to listen to here, but like, I don't know what it is like hearing a whole other country take like indie rock, shoegaze, emo, punk yep. and bring it back and like listen to what it sounds like through that lens is like so fascinating to me. And that's where like, I don't know, that's that's just where what fascinates me more these days and hearing what, a, I don't know, an American 20 year old is doing with it because I, I can hear the influences for some reason, but I can't hear the influences over there. And I don't know what that is. And I think that's because there's like a whole extra element and ingredient missing that I can't put my finger on. Well, and that's what I was saying. I was talking about this band, um, Sheep Literature, to some friends. I'm like, you guys have to check this out. It's so, so good. And I was saying it's like Japanese jangle pop. Remember, like they called like the Sundays and a lot of those bands jangle pop. So I was like, it's Japanese jangle pop. So that was my uh, my made up genre. (laughs) (laughs) That was part one of Jen's conversation with Mo Shafiq. Join us next week to hear the rest of the conversation as well as Jen's picks.